0: The 24 is owning every second of every minute of every hour of every day.
1: To seize the moment, to get the most out of every day. Being responsible for every 24 hours of every day of your life.
0: I wanted to not have to be told what to do, who to hang out with, where to go, when to be there.
1: Taking ownership of it
0: the 24 because it, it epitomizes everything that is about my life
1: at the end of your time here you can look back and say i you know i made the most i owned the 24
0: and when you own it you get to do whatever you want whenever you want with whoever you want wherever you want and no one can tell you no that's what i love about own the 24
1: Welcome everyone to Own the 24. We hope you're owning the 24 today. And today we're going to talk about the, the essence of Own the 24 and wh- and how it got started. Hopefully some useful uh, perspectives, but also useful tools and in, in what we would call tactical steps to, to maybe enliven and engage uh, your ability, desire, and willingness to own the 24.
0: Yeah. And don't think that we have it all together. We started from rock bottom, I think, and... Uh built our ways found our way i I kind of found my way in the dark and uh and clawed my way out of uh where i thought i needed to be in order to please the world and found out that i wasn't pleasing myself so
1: well we're all a work in progress right we are And, and at the same time we are all whole perfect and complete so here we go into the next episode I got a little colder <laughs>
0: and then finally he's ready, and then I and we get going to the beach. I mean, we go to the gym in the morning, and then I'm listening to all of my shows on the radio on my phone while we're trying to do a workout, so he like manages all the sets and right. the counts and the reps and and I just kind of follow along, kind of half paying attention because I just want to get over with
1: hmm. yeah
0: <laughs> I want the muscles, but I really do. I want to do the the whole rigor of the of the work
1: <laughs> yeah i got I gotta watch you when you when you want to shoplift it. More weight, more <laughs> weight, keep going. No, just to get it over with.
0: No, I actually have been applying myself since I've been trying to get my muscles back after my frozen shoulders, mm. so I'm trying to get my muscles and my lean back on my arms, and so I try to do I had did heavy weight today.: mm. Yeah,
1: great. So that's the morning we do that and uh, get our weights on, and then we go to the beach.
0: We go to the beach, and um, I switch into my bathing suit in the car, and we run on the beach. We walk out past all the people so that we don't have to run in front of them. Why do we do that? Because you have self-confidence problems. Is that
1: that exactly true?
0: (laughs) I don't know. You don't like people to think that we're like Rocky running down the beach, uh, so you don't want people looking at
1: you. I don't know if... If gay can be used in this context anymore, <laughs> I always used to use that term, you know, that's just gay. I don't mean any offense to any, you know, gay people. Not that but there's that,
0: anything wrong with it.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the only reason that, that I do that, as you know, is because usually by the last one when we're running in front of people, uh, you, you're you not even tired and I'm I'm on my last breath. I'm Isn't almost that bad.
0: self-confidence? Is, right?
1: it, is it confidence or is it a, a lack of willingness to be humiliated? <laughs> is a difference. <laughs> isn't it? I mean, I think it is.
0: All right. Well,
1: so as we were walking today, we were, we were talking about the concepts around on the 24.
0: That's right. And
1: we got to we want to frame that up. So,
0: well, what I think about on the 24 is when you when you get to allocate every second of every day. So, I lived a life of being the good doobie right i was go to school get good grades you know get the pat on the head and the recognition for each little check box that you're supposed to do i went to college on the volleyball scholarship i you know i tried to do everything right and then um i got married right out of college and we built a custom built house and we had three kids and you know i thought everything was was you know going according to plan, except for the fact that I was feeling inadequate in every possible way because I was spread so thin. House, you know, all the check marks, right? Che- house, job, kids, marriage, you know, have social time, things like that. Yet it, it felt like drudgery. The weekends were spent with laundry constantly and. If I took a day out of work, it was really because there was either a sick child that had to go to the hospital, or the doctor, or, you know, taking a day off because they couldn't go to daycare or whatever. It was always for a chore or some kind of obligation. It was not for vacation. And um, then I end up going through a divorce, which was kind of shocking. It was like my whole world imploded. And... It was kind of a wake up call for me. It was, you know, when you're in your 20s, everybody's getting married and everybody's going to weddings with their friends, and then everybody starts having babies. So that's like in your uh, mid 20s and 30s, and you got all these babies and bir- first birthday parties and five year birthday parties, and your friends have kids, and and then when you hit your upper 30s or 40s, it seems like everybody's getting gets a divorce. So I was like on par with all of that happening. And uh, so I was really kind of disenchanted with the whole follow the the rules, follow everything they say. And I'm like, you know what? Who the heck is they? And why do they have say over what I do? And why is it recommended when everybody who does what they say isn't really living the life of their dreams? So I started to kind of boycott what the regular thing is to do and I started studying otherwise and I got down this path of of really declaring how my life was going to go and the more I studied it the more it started going the way I was manifesting or or believing that it could go and I started envisioning and 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 practicing how to create my life from my imagination and it was working and i guess the what led me to that was i started to look at people who had a life that i already wanted like they already had the life i was seeking and they had time freedom they were they happy they were doing what they wanted with their days and it didn't seem like such a burden life was not a burden and my slogan when I was working a full-time job and taking care of kids and you know living the normal life that everybody lives, it was um, you you work. It's so funny because it was so ingrained in me. I can barely even remember it now, but it was something like you work hard and then you die. Hmm. Like you work hard and then you die. It was like my mantra. And then I got out of that whole thing and I started learning how to. Um, change my thinking and start manifesting how my life was going to go and I started to say no my time is my own and I'm going to spend it how I dictate it's going to be spent and it started to it started to work for me I started to move in a direction that I liked so by the time you and I met I was already on a full course to living the life of my dreams and the last component was meeting the right person. Hmm. And that's when I met you. Hmm. So I, you know, it was all part of the plan. Somehow my frequency hooked up with your frequency and we collided.
1: Hmm. Well, collided's one word for it. You can use some other words. So, Own the 24 works into, from from when I first started thinking about that I was unusually young I think right I was in my 20s it was it was 26 years old and uh and I I just happened to read a book the first book in this uh in this entire genre was called Pieces Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh right this Vietnamese um Nobel Peace Prize nominee anyway I read that blew my mind had no idea other than Siddhartha you know like everyone read in high school and college right which I really dug Buddhist book uh, was a, a segue into a whole, a whole world of reading that that kind of stuff. Somewhere inside of that, Thich Nhat Han, Jack Cornfield, Ram Dass. I'm reading all those books, and it and it gets uh, mostly Ram Dass, It gets around. He starts talking about um death and the dying process, right? So I started uh, the wheels start spinning about. You know, I'm in my twenties. I'm twenty six or seven now.
0: So you uh, start having existential things, right? It's thoughts. like
1: death and dying, and you know all the all the sayings and teachings around that. And you know, um, die in the morning, so you need not die at night. I mean, the master work of wisdom is how to grow old. Um, uh, don't identify with things that are in time, that are in time, because time changes, and, and that creates the suffering. And you know all this wisdom uh, teaching. And one day I was on my. It was. It would have been early 90s 93 something like that I'm on my motorcycle actually and I'm riding home from work and it was it it was just a suck day it was just a suck day and I was I remember it's so weird I remember passing I was passing a semi so I'm in the oncoming lane not dangerous nobody's coming whatever and right then it hits me about um man like today just sucked in in and what a waste of a day. Like what a waste of time and uh and, I, and I, for whatever reason it really landed for me right then that uh there are none to waste, and I started thinking, you know how many days are there right how many days like it's not very many relatively speaking
0: I wasted this one, which how many right, more do I have right
1: left? exactly <laughs> so it's so the 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 idea behind this declining balance thing uh, was born that day, and it was it was years uh before. I came up with this with this thing called that I called the life clock. But but it was from that moment forward that I started doing the math. When I read on it.
0: that life clock in your book, I that was the day I knew that I was like, this is the
1: guy. Was a, yeah. See, for most people it's morbid. Right? For most people it's morbid. Like I don't want to think about that dying. Like that's weird. Like I'd read I would read a little side note, I would read like the Tibetan Book of the Dead on, on an airplane and people are like, What? <laughs> Who is this weirdo? <laughs> But, but when you think about it, the, the numbers, like there was initially when I set the numbers up, it was something like 26,280 days in your life if you live to be 72.
0: I know. Well, I thought that was a really bad day to pick to die. 72 years old. Yeah. So I changed it now. I it's moved like, that. It's like 92.
1: It's 93, right? 93. 30, 36,000 <laughs> days. But really, when you think about 36,000 days, I'll have to flash that up and, and show it at some point. But, uh, you know, now I'm like 58%. Into it And every day It's like You know 40 whatever percent left it's Like shit man You know There's like Zero time to waste um, So That That sort of Is the backdrop For For the on the 24 And, and uh, You know Like you With, with the jobs It, it, it came to there was a there was a strong period of ascension in my career where where it was like every time I turn around there was some new business opportunity some new management opportunity I remember once a good friend who was um who I reported to he sat me down once he had he was trying to have a little sense of humor and said Mike we got a problem oh what is it I got to give you a raise like there was a, there was just throwing money at me I'm like what I was in this, I was in this state of gratitude. I was in the state of beginner's mind. I mean, everything was new and fresh and fun. It was super fun. And, and we would always analogize it like we were riding this rocket and it was just like fully firing this rocket. And then when, it, and then when, you know, you change jobs and you take some other position, you take some higher position. Now I'm into my thirties and we're moving every two, two and a half years and that rocket's just going, and all of a sudden the rocket starts to sputter, and you start to coast, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like it's not, it's not so fun anymore. It's not so exciting anymore. You be, you become this quote-unquote expert, and now all you're doing is playing defense on the bullshit that that people are trying to introduce into your life and into your business. <laughs> So, you know, if you were to draw a little map, it would, it would be a direct correlate between that. You know, you're you're you are the innovator. You're the young juice that's coming into the business and everything you come up with or mu- much of what you come up with is so great. All these trackers and tools and I'm writing manuals for the business and it's, oh, my God, how can we put you in a higher position? And then you get to the higher position and everyone wants to knock you off. I mean, that's the that's that model. Uh, so. So as I'm getting older then Then I start paying the price for my karma. you know I always tried to be the you know the servant leader because I was reading that kind of stuff yeah. but but in that in the type of business I was in it, it oftentimes became a tough business, so you had to you had to part ways with a lot of people um so now I'm into that place where the younger managers are coming in. Like I was the oh, younger manager. Oh, now you're
0: manager. the yeah, bit. you're now getting. I'm the
1: older, crusty guy. Now I spend more yeah. of my time going. Oh, you don't understand. I, you know, back in the '90s when I was young, yeah. you know, kind of... when I played basketball in college, we used to call them was resume <laughs> readers. Like like I don't need you to read my your resume to me. I don't care what you did. You uh-huh. know, ten years ago. So now I'm the resume reader, and and they're uh, the innovators. And I'm yeah, and I and I partner up with my best friend, and he would he would move around with me, Todd, as you no. know. And we, and that, so now the, oh, it was great and we did great work, but, but the problem was we, we became commiserators. Now we're the old salty veterans that after the day we'd be like, mm,
0: and God. you're, and you're in your forties. So it's like, you're not old.
1: Yeah. Well, here, yeah. Here, here comes the, <laughs> here comes the crusty 26 year old new regional douchebag, And you're just like, well, fuck that kid. Like there's no, there's no <laughs> space for that kid at all. Right. Cause we're just, we're just no beginner's mind. We just know like that's
0: bullshit. why don't you share your beginner's mind because maybe people don't know what that
1: is right so this is this is from probably my all-time favorite book it's called zen mind beginner's mind so the the uh the saying is in the beginner's mind there are many possibilities while in the expert's mind there are few so it's this idea about the you know you can't put any more in an in already full container Right, that was that was used in the movie Avatar, which I thought was really cool. So once your container is full, once your mind is full, there's no more space for new things. There's no more learning. Right. And, and, and in my case, and in many cases, there's no more not only no more learning, there's no more gratitude, there's no more excitement, there's no more and the word that the word that Todd and I use when we wrote the book is there's no more passion. Right. There's no more passion for life. There's no more passion for anything. So the, so you, you you can't really see. I didn't anyway. I shouldn't say no one can. But you can't see the morphing. You can't see the the slow change, right? Where what used to be kind of rewarding, there's a declining skill of rewarding, turns into drudgery, right? It turns into, and the, and the 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 benchmark for us was always because again I had Todd always to to bounce things off of and commiserate was how it felt Sunday, and we used to like Sunday night we'd be texting like little girls. Sunday ain't Monday. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday ain't Monday because Sunday would suck. Because as soon as Sunday about six o'clock would hit, you're just like, oh god, I'm
0: gonna go back to work
1: another week and do uh, I have the strength. And you know, Friday night was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, but by Sunday night, that sucked. So packing that all in, um, we we got to where we were had had it. We were in about our forties, I think, <laughs> early mid forties. Uh, my marriage was collapsing, and uh, Todd's wasn't. Yet it has now, um, and and we were we were kind of midlife crisising, right? Mm-hmm. So we thought we were sitting that we were sitting on a Wednesday morning. We call it margin time because some we make fun of it. Our, our our levels of sarcasm were just <laughs> like a superpower, which did not serve us well back then. <laughs> so we we, we decided because someone some I, th- some I
0: think our listeners are going to appreciate your <laughs> level of sarcasm when you start to really I break. Can, I can
1: I I got to use it. <laughs> or, 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 or what am I if not for that? <laughs> But uh, somebody was lecturing on margin time. We're like, all right, all right, asshole. We're going to have some margin time. So every Wednesday morning, we would meet. We wouldn't, we wouldn't go to work. We wouldn't show up to work. And we'd go to the, like, the bookstore. Back then, there were these things called bookstores, bookstores. where you'd, have, you'd sell books. Barnes yeah. & Noble, yeah. if you recall. That's right. Uh, so we'd sit at Barnes and & Noble and, and have our coffee or whatever. And we'd just Grouse. You know, and we'd say, you know what? God damn it! We we had to write a book. We had to write because we'd always have these better ideas. We said, well, you know what? We ought to write a book about that. So we wrote a book about that. So it turned into every Wednesday morning, we would write. We would write, and uh, and it was it was a really really fun process, uh, and that and that really solidified the the life clock and everything inside of owning the twenty four. Right. Um, so why don't
0: you share the title of your book?
1: So the book is, was called That's It. And it's that's it, exclamation, period, question mark. So it, it, it came into being like, the intention was to have multiple meetings, you know, really. Like, that's it. Right. That's like, it.
0: Or like that's I'm done it. with this
1: shit. That's it. Exclamation. Like I'm not taking this shit from the young managers I anymore. I am not going to be First a slave to it. That. Yeah. I
0: loved it. We were only what, maybe a month
1: yeah. dating when yeah.
0: you gave me your book to read.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that. You mean that's it? Like we follow this path, and we get to a point where you know we're without getting too philosophical, we're, we're, we're socioeconomically conditioned to have the, to acquire these things, and once we acquire them, we're, we, we got to be happy. This is why. This is why everybody f- drives off the cliff at about forty years old, forty-five right. years because old, because you realize
0: you, you got all that, that stuff, shit. and yeah. it doesn't make you happy. Two,
1: two cars. What is the thing? Two and a yeah. half kids, and yeah. the dog, and the minivan, and all that. And when, you know what? Where's the? Where's the passion? There's right. there is no more passion. The worst of it was, I got to do this shit for twenty more years. <laughs> like there's, it's impossible. I can't see the end. I mean, it's like it's like a never-ending marathon. Like there's no possible way. Yep. I can process this for 20 more years with, with every iteration of young punk coming in, trying to tell me what to do. Like the room was getting smaller. You know what I mean? Like every, every time someone comes in, you just like, you know, I can't, I can't do it. So we had a great time writing the book. That's it. And, uh, you
0: should share that because people might want to read it. I think I thought it was entertaining and I really like the life clock. I really think that, um, you know, if we can get it up on our website, people can get in there and play with it. And, play around with that last yeah. day right how long am I going to live till yeah and then see how many it literally creates a, a paradigm shift I, th- I felt that way when I filled it out and it, it, it really shifts your your thinking geez in the in the amount of minutes I have left or the amount of days yeah. I have left and the percentage yeah. and i was a math major so the numbers all oh. excited me the spreadsheet excited mm-hmm. me so you put in a number and it shoots this stuff out and all these these um you've got this much left you've got this much time left yeah and oh by the way you could get hit by a
1: bus and it could be shorter right yeah right i mean we, we we broke it down to so, so so there's that like okay i'm gonna die but, like, that's, that freaks out enough people. Like, I'm not really ready to process that, you know, this whole existential thing. But, how, you know, how do we work backwards from that? The saying, for example, you don't miss the water until the, the well runs dry. Right. So, so, okay, I know I'm going to die. Who doesn't? Uh, how do I run that back now? And, 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 and it's full of, as was the, the, all the reading I was doing and, and uh, studying I was doing, was about, like, there's this great book called uh, Death Notes. And it was a whole book about people on their deathbed, like notes that they wrote. In the in the Zen Buddhist tradition, you you, you write a verse at, on your deathbed. So it was all that, like Aldous Huxley. You know these great these great famous people, like what they had to say on their deathbed. in
0: what were some very that stuck consistently
1: out to you? Aldous Huxley's was after all this writing um, was just to be kinder, just to just to love better, just to have stronger relationships. After all I this. I think there was a
0: Harvard survey about happiness too. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they surveyed all these people for like 50 years and they yeah. at, the, at the end of their life they felt that relationships were the the most important thing.
1: Right. Um, and,
0: um, but in my world, what I was doing, when I read that life clock and I and the the impact that it had on me was and the way we used to phrase it w- with my learning and my you know, changing careers and pursuing, what am I going to do? I get to say how my days are going to go. I say how my life is going to go. I'm manifesting right. like how it's going to turn out. It was stand at the end of your time and look back on mm. your life and say, what did I do with it? Right. What did I create yeah. with my life? Yeah. And... Will I be happy with how I spent right. it because most of the mm-hmm. time it 's in pursuit of stuff mm-hmm. it 's in pursuit of consumables mm. and so where do you what do you take with you? Nothing like you see these bumper stickers with he who dies with the most toys wins not really
1: mm. not at all
0: and I was you know when when something catastrophic happens mid life i was thirty seven when I went through my divorce, so i wasn 't midlife but I certainly was. Well invested into my life, and i'm thinking i don't want to get to the end of it and have squandered my mm. time i want what do I, what do I want to do with it mm. I want to leave a meaningful mark i want to I want to make a difference in the world i want to I want to create something that I'm proud of mm. i want I want my kid I want a legacy I want my kids to to learn mm. from from my doing in the world, my contribution, like who I'm being in the world. I didn't even know there was such a thing as who you're being. Like that was a discovery to me. Who am I being? I was not being anything great while I was doing my job and working in my, you know, work hard and then you die
1: thing. Yeah, it was, um, Joseph Campbell said, we're all meditating all day, every day. The question is, most of us are meditating on money, how to acquire it and what to get with the money, right? So it's, so it's really, um, what we're, what we're thinking about, we're creating, which is, which may be a little bit of a different topic than, than the only 24 super important topic, the reticulating, the reticular activating system and all that. But, but Jack Cornfield said in the inner out of meditation that he opened with, uh, when the grim reaper comes and taps you on the shoulder and you, you have uh, just a few seconds for a few thoughts, what will they be? And, and by and large, it is that I live well, that I love well. Like how are my relation? How are my relationships? It, it's crazy that way. So so working it backwards again, back to the so the only twenty four idea. Like how do we we know we're going to die? We know all that. Um, how do you create what what we would call what what I would call daily daily practices, interim measures, little little things throughout the day that that we've developed to to allow us to make the most of that journaling easy easy example we finished the year say it's new year's eve so many people before i I, i've been journaling since about 92 so whatever however many years that is um, many but your new year's eve and how many times do you hear uh where'd the year go I don't even know what happened. Where is the time go? Where'd the money go? Where'd the
0: time go? Where'd the year go? They just
1: fly by. Well, they don't fly by. They're twenty four hours in a day. You got you got eighteen breaths in a minute. You got how many minutes and all that math worked out in the life clock. If you want to get weird with numbers, that's the place for it, right? Because you can. (laughs) How many breaths have you have you breathed in your fifty five years? It's right there. How many breaths do you have remaining? Because there will be a last one. Holy shit! There's a last one. you know what am I going to do? How do I make how do I get my mind right and how do I and how do I yield the most and yield the most isn't materialistically right right yield the most is clearly philosophically
0: well one of headspace. the things that we've been studying lately which have been really enlightening for me is is the is the illusion right we live in an illusion mm-hmm. of have to and need this mm-hmm. and and it it all points to consumerism and get the next thing get the next thing and go for this and go for that and achieve this and it's really um it's it's almost like and I, I feel this way for me anyway that you had to achieve it you had to achieve the pinnacle of what you wanted in your life to realize that it wasn't what you wanted
1: right right Right, That's and the then you have the it. Yeah.
0: So, I, one of the things I ask people all the time, and maybe some of our listeners can can um, contemplate this question. I, I ask people this all the time, and I and I can pretty much ninety five percent get the same answer every single time. And if you could have whatever you wanted, like say all of your needs were met, you financially every bill was paid you had a surplus of money you had investments you didn't want for anything you've traveled your life you've had the best foods you've had the the best clothes you've had all the desires satiated all your desires have been met and what would you do with your time like if it were not for that eight hour or whatever hour drudgery every day going to work like, like uh, Groundhog Day and doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over, you didn't have to do that anymore because everything was hmm. handled. Like most people say, oh, I love my job. I was one of those people. I love my job. Yeah. I, you know, I'm really good at it. And I found my identity in I'm a systems analyst sure. or I'm a single mom. And I, that was my identity. It wasn't like I was me and uh, so when you when you have all those needs met and you 're not in survival mode, you're actually in super super hyper super abundance mode where where you don't want for anything.
1: what do people say What do when, people
0: say when they what would you say like if you what
1: would, what would you, I say
0: what would you say it, what would you do with your time if Every need was met.
1: Do I have superpowers? Or am you, I just, I'm, who, I'm can, who I am now? You,
0: you have, yeah, I can't fly can. or anything? Yeah. Um, I say 95% because not hmm. everybody says the same thing. But most people get still lost in, they, they, you know, they haven't really gotten to the place of all my needs are met. So they might say travel or something like that. But we've no, done I mean, that. It, like how many times we travel, we're like, you know what? We don't even want to go anywhere on another, another it.
1: vacation. It sounds pretentious or something to say that, but that, but it's true. In the end, it's always about relationships. It's always about people. I mean, we're, that's in our DNA, right? To to help others is in our DNA, to spend time with our family, build community is in our DNA to, to, as you know, as we have, as we know, our our mantra, one of our themes or mantras is to create value, solve problems and serve people. That's it. That's what you. That's what you do. That's what we do.
0: Yeah, and that that was what came to me too. Is is the the contribution? You know, being of contribution to people. Like when you've achieved something, you want to turn around and help someone else achieve or or meet their needs. And I just find that there's there's so much fulfillment in that. I mean, think about what happens when there's a natural disaster, and everybody goes to like help out. it's not about getting anywhere it's it's actually about giving and that's what makes people feel the best right
1: right. so here's the thing if i'm if i'm listening and i'm in i'm in i'm in that world i'm in the rat race i'm hearing what we're saying and it sounds like that's good for you uh isn't that great for you like you don't understand Right. This is this oh, is the, was, no. You don't understand where it is for me now. Like I was no queen one's just like that. Me. My, my Walk life. Walk a different. day
0: in my shoes was what? my favorite line. Walk a day in my shoes, and
1: we'll see how you go. So right. So what do we have? What What is there to offer? Speaking of being a contribution, what is there to offer somebody like that to consider? In uh, their life.
0: That's a great question. I would have to say that. It comes from a burning internal desire that things have to change, and sometimes we have to get to threshold, or be you know have our life turned upside down before we we're at that threshold where we say enough is enough. Things have to change. At least that was for me. I would have gone probably on like I was going on, mm-hmm. and never changed a thing until I got you know pinned up against the wall, and the world said, you know what. You're going to be stuck here like mm-hmm. this. Because my question was, what am I going to do with my next four, the next 14 years of my life mm-hmm. here? My youngest was four when I went through my divorce. And I was super afraid of what my future was going to look like. And I'm thinking, gosh, how am I going to get, get all these kids to 18 years old, mm-hmm. right? And um, is it just going to be 14 years of servitude? Yep. And I was at threshold. I was like, it can't, it can't go this way. So then what what i think happens when you get to that point and i don't know i've encouraged so many people i don't know how you get to that point how you can force yourself to get to that point
1: well, wouldn't, of threshold wouldn't wouldn't anyone be so lucky to have that happen right here so here's the thing inside of that is is good good thing if that can happen because that's threshold that requires an action Right. The, there, there's that saying that that i'm going to that i'm going to paraphrase like the it's a famous saying though about uh, the the run of men lead their lives in quiet desperation. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not a cataclysmic event. It's just another year goes by, and another two years goes by, right. and another three years goes by. And I don't. And it's not really bad enough. It's comfortably Comfort, uncomfortable. Yeah, comfortably uncomfortable. So I'm making my bills, or I'm not, and it's close. And this is all I know how to do. And I got all these payments, and how am I going to work? And it's too much effort. And and you know, you want to overlay that with. With addictions and tobacco and bad foods and alcohol and, and the time, I, I, I'm sorry to say that I believe that's by design to, to pull us out and create essentially little little meat slaves that just that just go and produce and consume and then, and then produce and consume. Right,
0: because if you don't have time, you have no concept of what's really going on outside of your own little world at all. And you really don't care to know Yep. so i I just posted the other day indifference is the most dangerous state mm-hmm. indifference and and I was so indifferent
1: that's the the, the greatest thing to fear is the indifference of, of good men or good people
0: right yeah? and it's scary to think that I would just avoid
1: right right so let's back this up into into so so what can I use what can I do uh, I, I I get it. I feel it. I'm, I'm I'm inspired. Let's say, for for example, what can what can someone do? I think I think what someone can do is start. It, of course, it starts in your in your head. Starts in your mind, as you said. There's a there's some kind of a break where you go. I've had enough. In in and, and there's a there's a Taoist it's it's a Taoist saying that is be do have, and it's been borrowed by many Western uh, business consultants and teachers. That's where I say it starts for someone to, for someone to create first to, you know, as the saying is things are created twice, first in your mind, then in reality. Mm-hmm. So we create the life we want in our mind as ridiculous as it sounds, right? That's how I created our relationship. That's how you say you created our relationship. That's exactly I, what I, I made was the doing. list. I made the list of the life I wanted mm-hmm. and I got it. Guess what? That's the secret. Be, do, you the, have, you I, it.
0: It had to become it. I had to become the person I wanted to attract in my life in order to attract the person that I got in that's my life. Yeah. That's the secret.
1: The crazy secret is you know if you if you're basing things on fear, if all you're thinking about is fear, fear is a prayer for chaos. You're just you're just bringing in shit you don't want. I'm just a, I'm just afraid if we're thinking about things we do want and we have something we can touch like a called a touchstone where every day we have a thing that we're looking at this is not what's happening now is not my life. What what's happening here that I've envisioned is my life and that's that's something that every day can be locked into, and I, and I am telling you as sure as I'm sitting here, that that is the difference. That's the secret. That's what makes the difference. Do you agree?
0: I do agree. It's getting yourself to rip out of the illusion that you're you feel captured or enslaved into, because a lot of times you feel as though you you know you're 24 hours a day. There's not a second to spare to do the B, mm-hmm. right? Yet you can be, you can be at first while you're doing anything, right? You can. You can be cheerful, you can be joyful, you can be happy while you're doing laundry. You can be cheerful and joyful and happy while you're giving your kids baths. You know, it's, it's really just a switch in your head to be mindful around who you're being mm-hmm. and choosing powerfully. But a lot of times it's such a blind spot who we're being that we don't know who we're being.
1: Right. B be, do have, just to be, be clear. So B is we're, we're, being, we're acting in a certain We've, we've created a, a, a vision for our lives that's the b we're gonna we're, we are being that we're doing the things that support the being that like we're we're acting as if we have it already right then we have it that's the this is the 2500 year old Taoist teaching that worked back then and it works right now and it's just a it's just a secret cloak
0: and it that, worked for both of us that's right So our show is awesome. I'm really excited that we got to share all that stuff. And uh, we hope that you check us out on ownthe24.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify, even Anchor and Stitcher for Android. And remember, we each get 24 hours per day and we get to say how they're allocated. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Own the 24.
1: Remember, we each only have 24 hours in a day. We have none to waste. So don't waste them. Own the 24.